Welcome to The Ladder, a podcast series for aspiring turf managers currently climbing the career ladder, and also for those already at the top who would like to better understand their Generation Y staff members. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy. Welcome to this episode of The Ladder. I'm your host, John Reitman, and our guest today is Jake Mendoza of Detroit Golf Club in Detroit, Michigan. And Jake, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, being involved. So looking through your resume, you've spent, you spent a lot of time before you got to Detroit uh, a couple of years ago. You spent about a decade at Medina and a couple of places before that, and you interned uh, early in your career for um, at, at Winged Foot. Uh, that, that would have been, and that was back in like 2004. That probably would have been for Eric Graytalk, correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay, so you interned for Eric Graytalk and you worked for a long time uh, for Curtis Tyrell at Medina. Uh, two great superintendents there. Um, Take us back to the early days of your career. Where are you from? How did you decide to get into the golf business? Uh, I'm from East Moline, Illinois, which is part of the Quad Cities area in far west Illinois, right on the Mississippi. And kind of like most guys in the business, lucked into the the opportunity to be in the business. My uh, neighbor was the assistant superintendent at the local country club, and he stopped by one day and asked if I needed a summer job while I was 16 and in high school and I uh I said yes I didn't ask him what the job was or get any specifics I was uh just ready to get to work and he said I'll pick you up at uh, 5 30 a.m tomorrow and uh that's basically how I got started uh just working part-time in the summers in high school and absolutely loved just being outside and uh working with my hands and uh it was actually a <clears throat> the most desired job in high school all my friends worked there everybody wanted to be there it was a good start so you grew up in the shadow of john deere um that's correct did everybody around in that area was everybody kind of a john deere client and or customer in those days yes definitely um in my time at uh, short hills country club as a laborer i don't think i operated anything other than john deere yeah i'll bet not so you interned for Eric Graytalk, um, uh, great superintendent, out of the business now, working on the supplier side. But um, you know he he was the host superintendent for two U.S. Opens, one there at um, at Wingfoot, and prior to that at at Pebble. Uh, what was the, t- tell us a little bit about the experience of working for Eric, and what were some of the things maybe that you learned from him that if you had interned someplace else, you might not have picked up? Well, it was a a great opportunity. Uh, I was lucky enough to start my internship on February 2nd. Uh, I was the the first of 12 interns to arrive that year. Wow. So I got a a lot of time uh, before the crew came back, uh, direct access to uh, Eric and the assistant superintendents and all the assistant and training guys. So I had to good opportunity to to get to know everybody prove my work ethic and you know do some of the grunt work before the other interns arrived uh so in in april may when the other guys started coming i was actually able to uh advance and get to do a lot more than a three-month intern so it was an amazing opportunity uh, 
with Wingfoot being a 36-hole operation, uh, organization and time management was a huge priority. And I think that's something that I still focus on today, just seeing how uh, Eric kept everybody organized and on the same page and always had a plan was one of the biggest things I learned in my time there. Yeah, he is about as detail-oriented a superintendent, I think, as I've ever seen. And obviously, most are, but... um... Uh, to to be able to uh, rise at places like Pebble and Wingfoot, um, you definitely have to have all your I's dotted and T's crossed all the time. Uh, we'll move over to uh, Medina. At Medina, you worked for Curtis, uh, first as an assistant superintendent and later as a core superintendent there for about a decade or so, I think. Um, and Curtis, another guy, just because of the, you know, the the scope and the breadth of that property and the number of people that they push through there on a daily basis. Uh, the times I've been to Medina, uh, whether it was uh, when Curtis was was there or, or you know, most recently now with Steve Cook, the place is just has, has so many golfers all the time, and the conditions are always impeccable it doesn't matter if you're pushing through uh you know uh, a rider cup or 140 people a day um uh on it because it's a tuesday um what was tell us about the pressure of working at that place just because of the the, the demand for conditions coupled with the incredible volume of people that come through there Oh yeah, that place. There's there's always something going on. Uh, in the ten years I was there, uh, I felt like we were always in project or tournament mode. Um, I started there in 2008 as an assistant, like you said. Uh, had the opportunity to work on all three courses, work under three different course superintendents, uh, gain a lot of experience. And then in 2009, we started the course three renovation. Uh, I was directly involved in in that whole process, working alongside Curtis and the course superintendent, and the other assistant to manage that project. That was my first real experience with construction and renovation. And like you said, Curtis is another very detailed, very organized uh, person. He always has a plan, always has two or three backup plans is ready for anything that could come up. And I was uh, right there at the table in all the discussions and, learning from him how he planned things out, what uh, he was looking at as possible uh, issues or how, how would we would react if certain things happened. And it was a, a, an amazing experience watching that process. Um, the project went off so well, we finished on time. It was a very condensed project. We actually uh, started uh, September 6th, and we had the golf course open the following June. And we rebuilt all the greens, regrassed all the fairways, and uh, did a lot of tree removals there. So it was a, a lot of work in a short amount of time. Everything had to be organized and on time. Otherwise, there was no way we were going to get done. And um, all that was in advance of the Ryder Cup, correct? Yes, that's correct. I was in preparations for the 2012 Ryder Cup. Um, I was lucky enough at right after that uh, renovation to move into one of the core superintendent positions. I uh, moved to uh, course two, which is uh, the ladies course. It's actually the course that was most recently rebuilt at Medina. Um, I was not 
lucky enough to work on it after it was redone. I was there before uh, when it was a parking lot for the Ryder Cup, so that was a completely different uh, world compared to the other side of the property on Course 3. Uh, felt more like a traffic manager than a golf course superintendent there. <laughs> uh, but uh, the uh, Ryder Cup went off so well, and uh, conditions were impeccable throughout the entire event that uh, the club really thought that we did a fantastic job on the renovation there, and we, we actually started Course 1 renovation the day after the Ryder Cup. Right. So no more than 12 hours after the event, we had bulldozers going on the other side of the property and trees coming down and uh, full steam ahead on the next renovation. So um, there was definitely no shortage of construction renovation experience there at Medina at that time. With a commitment to quality and a passion for sourcing the latest innovations from Europe and North America, Steck Equipment has grown to be the go-to supplier for specialized turf equipment. Check out their line of phrase mowers, material handlers, laser graders, vacuum sweepers, blowers, verticutters, and seeders, decompactors, sand fillers, and much more at steckequipment.com. That's S-T-E-C equipment.com. How much did working for Eric Graytalk and Curtis Terrell prepare you to become a head superintendent at a place like Detroit? Uh, it it was a wonderful preparation. Uh, I was a part of things, got to see a lot of things that a lot of people spend their entire career not being able to do between tournaments, construction. Uh, they were both very open and uh, kept everybody involved and up to speed with what was going on. We always knew the the politics that were going on, the inner workings. We were a part of the uh, committee meetings. It was, uh, you know, very eye-opening to see the stuff that sometimes assistants don't get to see. Uh, as we all know, most of the job, once you get to the, the top, is more people management. It's not as much time on the golf course as we'd like to have. So being able to experience that before you're the, the person in charge was um, key to getting me to where I am in my career. Yeah, which brings up kind of an interesting point. You know, you look at a place like Medina or a place like Wingfoot, and regardless of who the superintendent is there, uh, as long as it's someone who sticks around for a little while, you're likely to get a really good learning experience. But that said, is it the same kind of learning experience you get from a Curtis or Eric? So I get what I'm what I'm trying to get at is if you were to be if you were standing in front of a room full of uh, college students who are still in turf programs at you know Michigan State, Ohio State, or wherever Penn State, and you have the opportunity to talk to them about advancing their careers. Is it more important to target a specific property or is it more important to target a specific superintendent when you're trying to get that experience to elevate your career to the next level? Oh man, that's a, that is a tough question. I, I think you need a little bit of both. You need somebody that you can learn from, uh, have the opportunity to have day-to-day -day conversations with somebody that, uh, when you do move on, you can still pick up the phone and, 
call and talk to you for advice. Um, but at the same time, you need to be cognizant of the club on your resume too. And you get to the point where you're ready to move on and you're looking at uh, head superintendent positions. One of the first things that members on the hiring committee look at is what courses you've been at. So it's kind of a, uh, a fine line. You have to get <clears throat> the best of both sides. Uh, and I was spoiled in my career to have the opportunity to work at a ton of good high-end courses that had great superintendents. Uh, one that we haven't talked about yet was Rich Harvest Farms right. in uh, Sugar Grove, Illinois. <clears throat> we got to work for uh, two different superintendents there, uh, Jason Funderburg and Jeff Cotron. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were amazing to work for. And one of the best parts about working there was the limited play. Uh, we were always working on projects. It was a, a good hands-on learning area. You didn't have the pressure of, you know, 7 a.m. tea times and a full tea sheet. If you had somebody at 8.30 and somebody at 1 o'clock, it was a busy day. So you actually got to, you know, spend time learning how to spray, learning proper water management techniques, uh, doing some construction projects. So, um the club is important, but I think the people that you work for is slightly more important. Right. So after you leave Medina, you come to Detroit. Detroit has a, a long history and a lot of tradition. Two superintendents prior to you, the superintendent there was Clem Wolfram, who had been there for 51 years. What did you bring that was new and different to Detroit Golf Club when you became the head superintendent? Well, uh, in 52 years, there's a lot that changed in the industry. Um, sometimes when you get into a routine and you're providing excellent conditions on a day-to-day basis, you, you get comfortable and you just keep providing those conditions. And I think the club was looking for a slight uh, change of pace, updating conditions, pushing uh, firm and fast, moving away from the, the green and lush country club setting and focusing more on uh, providing uh, top-notch tournament-type conditions. And uh, <clears throat> one of the biggest things that helped me in, in transitioning here was my previous multi-course experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 36-hole operation is a, a big undertaking. You don't get to be as involved in everything as, as I would like to be. You have to know how to delegate, figure out who you can trust with different tasks, how to maximize the potential of your employees. And I think that was something that uh, intrigued me about the position and um, also uh, gave me a leg up on the interview process and getting here. Um, Clem is still here. He's still an active part of the club. He's a great resource for me. Uh, It's a a relationship that I like to uh, keep going, but also like to do things my way, the way that Detroit Golf Club is doing things now. Uh, Clem is a great resource, but we're trying to uh, advance a little bit from where the club was at that time. What are your conversations with him like? Oh, man, he still remembers everything. Uh, Every conversation he had with employees, where every uh, drain inlet is. He uh, is an encyclopedia of the history of this place, and it's uh, very useful. Anytime I have a question, I can go to him, and uh, most of the time he can point me in the right direction on the information that I'm looking for. Um, 
I don't know if you've had the chance to meet him, but he's a, a great person, a big personality. He, I could sit and listen to him talk for hours about even the most routine maintenance aspects that they used to do here at the golf course. When you have questions about something that comes up on the golf course, every superintendent has that short list of people they keep in touch with. Who's on your speed dial? Uh, first is Curtis. Um, I still talk to him almost weekly, uh, calling with questions or just seeking advice or sometimes it's just calling to talk about stuff outside of work. What, what we got going on the, uh, smoker for the weekend or anything like that. So he's always my first call. Um, and then a lot of the people that I cross paths with at Medina, uh, people that were core superintendents that have moved on and are, uh, at their own place, uh, always rely on them for advice and just uh camaraderie um and one of uh, my biggest uh contacts is actually kevin Welp, who was here uh between clem and myself he was he's another great resource and a uh, person to uh, bounce ideas off of for uh detroit golf club now you've worked for some great superintendents and learned a lot and can attribute much of your own career success to the folks you've worked for. What's your philosophy now as far as helping develop careers of those who work for you now that you're the head guy? Um, I put a lot of effort into that, trying to make sure that everybody on my staff is involved and knows where we're going, what our goals are, how we're going to get there. Uh, not only for helping them advance in their careers, but just for keeping our, our team organized and on the same page. Um, my goal is to, to build a, basically a farm system like we had at Medina. When somebody's ready to move on, we've got somebody ready to move up and the next person moves into that entry-level position and we just keep, uh, keep our team flowing and eventually have other people in the industry that have come through Detroit Golf Club that are calling me for advice and help or I'm still calling them and just building our own little network of uh, Detroit Golf Club. In the span of your career, you mentioned how a lot's changed in the last 50 years just at Detroit and the way turf is managed. A lot's changed just in the in the span of your own career. What are some of the issues that you see? And, and you've worked sort of in the same geographic area for much of your career so what are some of the things that you see now issues whether it be disease pest what have you you see now that you didn't see in the early days of your career uh i think the biggest thing is actually outside of the the agronomic side the the labor issue that everybody's facing now finding people that will come and work for you at the golf course. That entry-level position is probably one of the hardest ones to fill. It's early early mornings, adverse conditions outside at times, uh, jobs that people just don't uh, want to do. So finding, finding and recruiting, retaining staff is probably the biggest challenge uh, that's changed in my career. I remember in high school there was uh, – you know, a, a huge line of guys that wanted to work at the golf course in the summer and be a part of that. And now that that is nearly impossible to find.
Uh, from a, <clears throat> the golf course side, I think the uh, improvements in technology, uh, mowers, uh, advancements in fungicides and fertilizers have been life-changing. Uh, one thing that uh, is unique here at Detroit Golf Club is we have we do have two golf courses, um, both designed by Donald Ross. One of them is uh, USGA type greens. Uh, the other one is the original push-up greens. So uh, trying to uh, manage both of those to the same quality and conditioning has been a, a huge challenge. Yeah, the labor issue obviously is something that affects just about everybody, regardless of who I talk to and where their course is located. It's one of the top one or two or three issues that everybody brings up. You know, and you mentioned back in the day, everybody, there was a line out the door because everybody wanted to work outdoors. Now, nobody wants to work outdoors when they can work someplace else for the same amount of money or maybe a little bit more and be attached to their phone all day. What's, how's that affect what you're able to do on the golf course and you know, have you figured out any solution that at least works for you to help improve the labor situation? Um, I think the, the biggest thing is just managing your time and being efficient uh, with all your staff, making sure that everybody is uh, completing jobs in the, the most efficient manner, has the proper equipment and tools they need to get the job done, uh, managing their travel time. But we have less people to get the same amount of work done, so you have to have a lot of people multitasking and if they don't uh, know exactly what they need to do when you expect them to be done and they don't have the right tools they're not going to meet the goals and uh, get the job done uh, as far as um, <clears throat> recruiting and uh, finding solutions to the shortage in labor we are looking at every avenue possible high school kids retirees um, any opportunity that we have to get in front of uh, a new pool of possible candidates we're taking advantage of, whether that's a, a job fair, um, helping a local high school kid with a STEM project for uh, his uh, science class uh, and trying to recruit him and his friends to come and work for us. We're, we're doing everything and anything we can think of to, to uh, sell the position. Uh, one thing that we found has helped is the publicity of the uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic this year was slightly easier than last year to find uh, new people to uh, come and apply for the job. We'll see if we can actually get them on site and working when we get uh, a little bit closer to golf season. So we're, I think we're in a good spot for this year, but we'll see what happens. Jake, thanks so much for your time. Enjoyed talking with you. Well, thank you for having me, John. It was, uh, I'm honored to be a guest of your uh, podcast. You have been listening to The Ladder on TurfNet Radio. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher for instant access to past and future episodes of The Ladder and other TurfNet Radio podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.